Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. Welcome, everybody, to episode number five of the Message Board Geniuses podcast. This is Who's. With me, as always, are Casey, a.k.a. Big Sexy, and my man, MBG. How are we doing tonight, guys? Doing fantastic, Who's. I'm doing well. Casey, you sound uh, like you are doing pretty well, considering what happened in week 10 of the college football season. I guess we should probably get that one out of the way. Your uh, Clemson Tigers had a rough Saturday, my friend. You know, one thing that I've learned, or, or maybe maybe I'm maturing a little bit at 45. I'm not sure quite yet what it is. But once you get your butts absolutely handed to you, like it makes the loss a lot easier. I think if it was closer, you know, if there was a holding call that I could possibly hang my hat on to, to argue or something, I don't know. I, I would have been more upset, but it wasn't close from this from the get-go. Two holding penalties in the first – here I go, right, with the holding penalties. Two holding penalties on the – on the first drive and then block field, a uh, block punt. And right from that moment, it just didn't feel right. So, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I'm a, I'm a disciple of Dabo. So it's, it's survive advance. We're eight and one. We're not five and three. So yeah, moving on. I, I mean, you guys, listen, there's still a ton of season left. You guys are not out of it. What are you number 10 in the latest, uh, poll that just came out or the latest, uh, CFP rankings. Is that right? Yeah. Number 10. I don't think this team was ready to make the playoff anyway, but it, it's still fun to fight for it. And you can still win the conference and go to a decent bowl where they don't throw mayo on your head. That's right. <laughs> Listen, man, I would love it if, if I rooted for a team where, you know, one loss seemed like the end of the world. So <laughs> the message boards say are taking this a little bit differently than I am. And I've had fun this week looking at them. So. Uh, yeah, we're well aware of the Clemson boards, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe with only five episodes in, we might not have had enough of them yet. But maybe today, maybe tonight. <laughs> All right, MBG, your Utah State Aggies did a number on New Mexico this weekend. I suppose you could call it a number. They won. Yeah, 27-10. A kicker even scored a touchdown. Oh, you had so, a kicker touchdown. I saw that. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, we did. It was basically the same fake field goal that Oklahoma ran the other day against Iowa State. So we'll take him any way we can get him. So I'm pleased. Yeah, and you guys are, I believe, <laughs> four and five, which makes you the most successful Aggies in uh, FBS right now, if I'm not mistaken. I think New Mexico State <laughs> is three and five, and uh, Texas A&M is bringing up the rear at three and six. So you know, in that mythical playoff scenario, you guys are you're the top dog right now in BG. Yeah, we can claim that. I'll take that all day long. The best Aggies <laughs> in the country. As far as UVA goes, uh, we lost this weekend. If uh, you listened last week, you'll know that I advised everyone to bet their house on UNC uh, giving seven and a half. UVA lost by three. So not only did we lose, but I look like an idiot. So that worked out very well for me. If you can see me right now, I'm in a tent. Thanks to you, Hoos. <laughs> Well, I know Casey put his kid on the line, so, you know. I did. He's gone. It's fine. It's fine. He's living a beautiful life somewhere in Miami. So, Well, that just means that Casey has more money now. Um. (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. I got a true story real quick for you. I I literally went, because I'm in South Carolina, so I can't legally bet. So I've heard that if you get a VPN for your – VPN software for your computer, you can go onto these fan duels and DraftKings. So I did. I bought a VPN just so I could go bet on this UNC UBA game. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, gambling sites are pretty smart and they, they override the VPN and they still make you do your geolocation and stuff like that. And I couldn't, I couldn't smart outsmart it. So true story is that I, I was not able to gamble on the game, but I wanted to. I really did want to. It was a it was a no brainer. Uh, honestly, I I thought there was no chance it was going to be that close. So I'm an idiot. 
I'm with you. My two stone cold locks was that one. And then Texas or Kansas state was two and a half point underdogs to Texas. And I thought for sure that was easy money betting on <laughs> Kansas state. It certainly was not. So we're so still going to be doing listen. this podcast for a while. Is what it sounds like to me, right? We're not- <laughs> <laughs> no Powerball, no gambling. Don't come here for no. your gambling tips. That's for sure. No, well, it was a tough, a tough week financially for us. I will say that uh, so my degenerate doctor friend, Dr. Jesse, listens to the podcast. He texted me after last week's came out, and he was like, you idiot. I said, take you and see in the under, and the under actually hit. So uh, I'm even dumber <laughs> than it seemed like otherwise. So my bad on that, and we'll we'll see if we can do better the next time we get that uh, hot gambling tip on here. UVA <laughs> played great, though. It was it was a fun game to watch. Sorry, I have no dog in the hunt, but I'm I'm obviously pulling because of our friendship for your boys. But it was a fun it was a fun nooner. Well, I tell you, it was a weird game. We played better on offense than we have all year, and we found out literally half an hour before the game started that our top three receivers were out. Which I mean, apparently it's injuries. That seemed a little odd that that happened so close to kickoff, but. Yeah, we played without our starting running back and our top three receivers, and I think it's the most points we've put up since uh, week one against Richmond. So I was happy. I mean, it's, it's I know it seems weird to a, a Clemson fan to seem happy about a loss, but it's, it's the best we've looked in weeks, so uh, I'll take it. All right, so that brings us to Genius of the Week. Who do you guys have for us this week? You want to start with Casey? Yeah, I'll go first. I have Mike Leach as my genius of the week this week. Two weeks ago, our friend of the show, Jim Weber, said Mike Leach said last week he was worried his wide receiver's kids would have T-Rex arms because they sucked so bad at catching. And then this past weekend, in a, in a very close, kind of surprising game with Auburn, he's leached through all of his wide receiver's chairs on the ground because they don't deserve to sit. So... You know, Mike Leach likes to sling it around the field. He's got a good quarterback in Will Rogers, and apparently he needs wide receivers to be able to go. He's just a character. He had something on coughing. I, I mean, he could be my, my genius of the week every week. Yeah, he's awesome. He's one of my favorite coaches out there. What about you, MBG? Do you guys remember who my geniuses of the week were the last two weeks? <laughs> no. It reminds us. Well, the two weeks leading up to today, the geniuses of the week were Ohio State fans. So who do you think my geniuses of the week are this week? Let's see. They were in a tough game against very solid Northwestern squad, if, if I'm not mistaken. So was it possibly the Ohio State fans again? Oh, that's an excellent guess. And you are absolutely 100% correct. You would think that they would learn. I mean, that's got to be a tough existence to be an Ohio State fan. We talked about this last week, right? Ryan Day... He's been the coach there for four years now, and he's lost one conference game the entire time. I think he's now 49-4 and four overall. So we talked about this last week, about how silly it is to get upset at Ryan Day just because he falls behind in a game. But, of course, Ohio State fans don't learn. I think they were behind 7 nothing to Northwestern for much of the first half. It was tied at 7 at halftime. So you can imagine the reactions that Ohio State fans had throughout the game. So I'm going to read you just some because I don't want to be here for two hours reading um, <laughs> all, all of the reactions. Here's some of them. Coach Day is not fit to coach Ohio State. $2 million for this crap? I'm sick and freaking tired of Ryan Day. Ryan Day is horrible predictable play caller who was punked by Harbaugh last year. Been saying it for three years. The further away we get from Urban, the softer we are. But hey, it's a family atmosphere in the Woody. This one's good. This guy says, where's Matt Rule? Uh, (laughs) Another guy says, can we get a head coach in the transfer portal? And (laughs) another guy says, as always, day gets out coached. Obviously, we know Ohio State went on to win that game 21 to 7, but I thought it was funny the reactions, especially given the fact that I pulled up the weather because I knew it was windy and it was cold. They had 20 to 30 mile an hour winds through the entire game with occasional gusts of 50, 40 miles an hour. So it's pretty tough uh, to score a lot of points 
in that kind of weather and they still pull it out 21-7. I don't know that they were really ever in jeopardy of losing that game, but Ohio State fans are the, my genius of the week. <laughs> you know the, how, how like the balls that kick off, you'll see them occasionally when the wind's blowing, they just kind of tip over and mm-hmm. lay there. There was a ball in that game that literally blew off the tee and rolled down the field about 15 yards from the wind. It was it was nasty. It was one of the kickers was warming up pregame. He's like lined up for like a 40 yard field goal or something, 45 yards, and the ball like literally it looked like it was going to be good, and it got to like the end zone and just stopped <laughs> and like spun in midair and then dropped straight down to the ground. I'm not quite sure what they expected to have happen. I mean, it's pretty tough when you can't pass and everybody knows you can't pass. It's not like Pat Fitzgerald is is a dumb guy or a bad coach. I mean, he he was going to be prepared. So uh, that kind of weather, uh, a win should be welcomed. Yeah, and Ryan Day should uh, not be fired. I saw some Ohio State fans complaining that they gave up 200 yards rushing to Northwestern, and ignoring the fact that I think Northwestern ran the ball 55 times or something like that. I mean, you're going to get some yardage at some point. 59 times. Is that right? (laughs) 59 times for 206. They only averaged three and a half yards a carry. It's actually a pretty good run defense, right? I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You run the ball 59 times in a game. You're going to, chances are you're going to pick up 200 yards. I mean, you want to see bad run defense. Watch our game against BYU last year. I don't know if you guys saw any of that, but (laughs) a guy scored like five rushing touchdowns against us in like a quarter and a half at one point. So (laughs) I'd take three and a half yards a carry any day. Someone who actively cheers against BYU, I did see that, and I was not pleased with it. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. It's not often you put up like what forty nine points and get boat raced. So let's. Uh, <laughs> who's your so. genius? Who's? <laughs> so Casey, I don't want to pile on my guy, but um, <laughs> do it. I, I don't know if it was Dabo who made the decision, but I, I've got to lay it at his feet. So. Yeah, Clemson's down 14 nothing end of the end of the third quarter. I mean, I know 14 points is a lot, but like you said, seven points was on a blocked punt. They get the ball on like the seven yard line and they take out DJ. They put in your quarterback of the future, Cade. The second play, he throws what I mean, it seemed like a horrendous interception. You know, Notre Dame scores almost immediately, goes up 21 nothing, and then we never see Cade again. So it just seemed like I don't know. I thought it was a questionable, uh, not questionable. It was a tough situation to put a freshman in, in a game that big on the seven yard line when you're down 14, but then yanking him after the INT and he doesn't get back on the field again. I don't know, man. That just, it seemed like a bad game decision. And uh, at least confidence wise, it's got to be a little bit tough for Klubnik, you know, going forward, but I'm sure he'll recover, but that, that was the worst move that I saw, at least strategically, uh, this week. Sorry, man, but yeah. <laughs> that, that was a tough one for me. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds with this because you know I could, but they they rolled him out on a naked bootleg, and they didn't have and he kind of ran himself into trouble, but they didn't have a they didn't have a pulling guard, they didn't have anything available for him, and then he threw against his body. Like if I was you're gonna, gonna say he's running left, right? Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, if you're gonna roll him out, roll him the other way. It just it just seemed like a terrible play call from, from Brandon Streeter. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We'll uh, so I'll put it on Streeter then <laughs> and, and not on Dabo. All right, so Ohio State's got the win two weeks in a row. What do we think about this week? Yeah, I don't think either of those two can dethrone um the king. Uh, which is the Ohio State fans. Now they play Indiana this week, I think, right? So, you know, an early first down by Indiana or (laughs) Ohio State has to punt on that first drive. Um, We could see a four-peat. God forbid. Coming up. We'll see. We'll see how that that game plays out. The best part is this wasn't even – it never has been intended to be a running bit, right? It's just (laughs) – it's just played out that way perfectly so far. Yeah, you can't go away from the hot hand, and they just that's keep right. Going. That's right. Yeah. All right. So before we move on to this week's message board post, we wanted to give a quick shout out to CFB Home for sponsoring the MBG podcast. You can find them on Twitter at CFB Home, and also online at FifthQuarter.net. So thanks you guys for hooking us up. All right. So MBG, what do we got this week? Well, I got some. I got some great posts. There were some pretty. Fantastic games this weekend. Some big games. One of the biggest games was the LSU-Alabama game, and we know how that game turned out. And it didn't turn out well for Alabama, and it 
that certainly means that at least from our perspective, it turned out well for Alabama fans. <laughs> so I was going to read some post-game reaction of Alabama fans. And when I read these, when I'm done, I want you guys to, on a scale of one to 10, one being completely reasonable and sane and 10 being completely out of your mind crazy. Tell me how unreasonable these posts uh, might be. The first one, this is from Bama Online, which is a 247 site, says F minus coaching staff. <laughs> this guy, the Beastman321, says it's time to clean house. Our coaches have no balls, and this is the softest Alabama I've seen since the Shula days. If Saban won't fire both of these coordinators, he just needs to retire. A guy named Saban Spawn follows up and says he needs to retire. Game has last him by. I think he meant to say passed him by. And he's too hard-headed to change. No excuse for this to happen. With the talent on this team, he's the head coach, and it falls on him. Taylor Maid follows up and says he's an idiot. Not sorry. <laughs> He's lost it, and someone with some freaking balls needs to freaking ask him what he's thinking. And finally, uh, this is from a different site. This is on Tide Illustrated, um, a rival site. A guy named UA Golf Fan says, Coach Nick Saban cost us the game and the UT game. It's time for him to go. So we've got at least four guys, and there were more than this calling for Nick Saban to either retire or be fired. So on a scale of one to 10, how crazy are these posts? 17. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I mean, he's the greatest college football coach of our time. Right. I mean, it's, and I mean, none of it makes sense talking about the coordinators. I mean, I know they're, they're all so mad at Bill O'Brien and listen, O'Brien is, an idiot at least he was with the texans but how many points did they put up in their two losses like 39 and 31 it's it's not like they're not scoring points and just i don't know just the idea that they want to get rid of him is so insane on the flip side of that or in a more positive note you know what time it is it's time for these other schools to step up and make saving an offer he can't refuse <laughs> that's true apparently he could be had I, right. I went down the list a little bit, and I said the Beast Man. I put him at ten right off the bat, which which was probably probably under underperforming on the Beast Man. <laughs> then I save and spawn kind of wasn't that exciting for me. He was kind of just piling on, so I I gave him an eight. But that tailor made guy went immediately over the top, and he got a twelve <laughs> out of ten. He was just completely unreasonable. And then UA Golf Fan was kind of he, you know. He was kind of mellow too, just wants to fire everybody. He's that hashtag fire everybody crowd right there. I'm going to guess that their main beef is, you know, at some point towards the end of the game, Alabama was down, I think, 17-15, and they scored a touchdown, right? That puts them up four. And at that point, Nick Saban goes for two, which I thought was a somewhat curious decision, right? If he makes it, it puts him up six. If he just goes for one, it puts him up five. So he goes for two, doesn't make it, they're up four, which means LSU comes back, scores a touchdown, and so they go up 24-21. Obviously, if Alabama had not gone for two and just kicked the extra point, that then forces LSU's hand to go for two at that point just to make it a three-point game. If they don't, then it's a two-point game, and you know, Bama probably has an opportunity to win the game with the field goal instead of tying it at the end of regulation. And so that could be part of their beef. And then the other thing that I think may have some upset is after the game, Saban, I don't know if you guys heard this, but Saban Saban was asked about the two-point conversion um, that LSU went for and whether he was expecting it. And his ultimate response was, no, I wasn't, uh, that he wasn't even expecting them to go for two. Um, so I think maybe some of their fans thought maybe he was unprepared for that two-point uh, play at the end. So if I thought, okay, if I tried to justify what they were saying, I guess that would be the defense. I would still put it at a good 12 on the crazy scale. 
given that you're giving them a lot more credit than i would because that's a deep dive right on the reasons they might be upset i think they're they don't they're not used to losing they lose two games and they're just freaking the f out right like this one post on here (laughs) the first one that you read had 5360 responses like (laughs) just that's insanity you know they lost two two close games to top 10 teams and the sky's falling it's crazy yeah, well, this was not; these were not unique responses. Uh, there were obviously several. Like I said, I couldn't read them all, but there were several people who were right in line with this. And then uh, I think there were some who were just mad at some of the coaching decisions that were made. Right. And there are some. There are some who just want the coordinators fired. But um, they're crazy. Uh, since 2013, since 2013, because that's all my phone went back to. He's 115 and 12. So that's the last 10 seasons. They averaging 1.2 losses a year, and a couple of those came in the CFP National Championship. That's they don't know how to lose because yeah. they average just over one loss a year. One, one, one. I, I mean, That's, can you imagine if they lose a third game this year? It, it's going to be so much fun <laughs> to read oh, meltdowns. Oh, they'll lose their mind. They'll be wishing they had Mike Price back or something. <laughs> By the way, the shout out to Shula too. It's, that's the other thing that cracked me up. It's like, really? Like you're gonna p- compare anything about this era of Alabama football to Shula's reign there? That seems that seems like a little bit of a reach. But what do I know? I think they're gonna be okay. They have Ole Miss this weekend, and then Austin P. And if they have the the all twenty two film, that might be all right from the Missouri friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have Alabama, or they have Auburn at home on Thanksgiving weekend, so they they will probably escape with three more wins. Casey, why don't why don't you try to get a hold of some Austin P all twenty two film and help Nick Saban out? It seems like he's lost it. Uh, <laughs> O'Brien can help. Yeah, O'Brien's not going to help. I mean, they need someone's help, Casey, and I think you're the man to do it. I'm going to reach out to our friend at the, the Mizzou website to see if he had. He got the where he got it from. That was good. Uh, that was a good entertaining game, though. And the there was another good SEC game, also probably the premier game, the Tennessee Georgia game. Did you guys see that one? Oh yeah, yeah. It wasn't nearly as good of a game, I guess, unless you're a Georgia fan. I think some of the some of the best parts of that game probably happened before the game, and I I didn't realize that this had happened, but I had, I saw a post on a Tennessee board. And so I decided to dig a little into it. And, and this is what the post on the Tennessee board said. This is a Tennessee fan uh, kind of getting upset with some other Tennessee fans. And he says, Tennessee has more mentally ill fans than 10 other schools. How stupid do you need to be to call Stetson Bennett and dog the kid over 600 times? How many have texted or tweeted Hooker and told him he's a loser? A whole lot? I saw a guy yesterday tweet this. I effing hate Josh Heupel and Tim Banks. These people are just mindless idiots, and UT has more than our fair share of them. This is hard for me to read because of all the grammatical errors, but I'm trying to fix them <laughs> as I go. 100% certainty death threats have been made. So he, he's talking about a lot of things that happened um, before and after the game, and I wanted to try to check the veracity of some of those, specifically the Stetson Bennett uh, allegation that people were calling Stetson Bennett. And apparently that was true. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but there was an article on a, the 247 site where they actually had interviewed Stetson, Stetson Bennett. And he said that he estimated that he received probably six or 700 phone calls and texts on the Friday before the game. And then it started sometime around noon on Friday. He said eventually figured out a way to hide most of the incoming messages. And as tempting as it might have been for him to respond, he ultimately sat on those messages and did his best to ignore them. He said, I didn't return any. I just sat on them and ate them. And then he said at the end, I wouldn't say motivation, but there's probably something there. Yeah, he said. (laughs) So it sounds like those phone calls gave Stetson Bennett a little extra motivation. Did you guys hear about that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he celebrated his touchdown run, right? With like a little call me signal. So I, I saw that, but I didn't, I didn't know the reason behind that when he did it. Yeah, that was as pretty soon badass. as he did it, I started looking. 
I started yeah. looking at that very moment because I'm like, what? What is he doing? Why is he doing this celebration? And I couldn't find anything. Somebody either on Twitter or the announcer said it, that he was getting phone calls from, from Tennessee fans. And I know I see that all the time with like a, when away teams are figured out as to where they're staying by home fans. Because I know a lot of these college teams stay pretty far away. Like when they're it, when they come to Clemson, they'll stay in Greenville, which is forty five minutes north, or they'll stay out in Anderson, which is about twenty miles east. But they'll get those phone calls, or they'll call in a, a fire alarm, or they'll do some pull a fire alarm or something to try to try to throw these kids off. But six or seven hundred, I did hear that his phone number leaked. But man, who's doing that? It's like the same people that tweet at recruits. But if you're Stetson Bennett, don't you answer some of those? <laughs> I would. I got a text today from some random person that said, "Hey, are you here?" And I said, "I'm here. Where are you?" And so, same idea. What I would have done the same thing. Tried to mess with him, but it's like he almost think, knew. I mean, I think thinking? this is really the reason that I wasn't a D1 athlete. Is probably that I would have responded to all of those. That's probably the only reason that it's uh, the petty in us. <laughs> I have way too much petty to, to let all us. those things go by. <laughs> Well, and the thing about it now is Stetson Bennett has all their phone numbers, right? He could he could call them back now, right? Or <laughs> text them back. And, in fact, there were some posts on the Georgia message board saying that he should do that. I think some of them said that uh, he should dial them up and say, uh, you like them apples? <laughs> I could probably think of some more creative ways to respond to those those phone calls, but that's what they wanted him to do. Just, um, yeah, send them all a video of him running the ball in the end zone, man. I mean, yeah, you don't really hear about that anymore. I mean, prank calls I thought were kind of a thing of the past. I mean, now that you have call ID and all that, it seems like it's kind of a call of past, a thing of the past. Well, it's a, it's a lost art, if you ask me. I mean, prank calls, at least when the three of us were growing up, were one of the greatest things ever, right? Like, I think I, I've mentioned to you guys every weekend in high school, we go out, you know, do stuff <laughs> that we probably shouldn't be doing. And there was a guy in our town named Richard Dick. And we would end the night by prank calling uh, Dick Dick because it got funnier every <laughs> single weekend that we did. <laughs> if your name's Richard Dick, I mean, you deserve to get bombarded with prank calls. I would yeah. Man. And he came to expect it, frankly. There was one night where he was like, guys, come on. man, I've got a family. Like, you guys wake me up every you know, every Friday. <laughs> like, I got to go to work tomorrow. We're like, all right, Dick Dick. We'll, we'll try and lay off a little bit. My friends and I, we used to do that every day after school. One of my friend's parents were always gone when they would get home from school. So we'd go to his house. And for those listening who might be younger, you could prank call with no repercussions. So we thought because... There's no call ID. There was no way at all for anybody to know who was calling. So we used to do that all the time. We used to call this restaurant in town all the time and prank call them. And then one day, all of a sudden, I remember the police knocking on my door, <laughs> wanting to talk to me, and they had a recording of our prank call. They say, hey, I understand this is your voice. Are you making these prank calls? Absolutely, it was me. And they actually arrested me at that point in time. Apparently, this restaurant had been getting bomb threats from someone else. They thought that we were the ones making the bomb threats. So a friend of mine and I got arrested for actually prank calling a restaurant in town. Did you do any hard time, MBG? Luckily, we were juvenile, so we got off fairly easily. I think me and my mom had to go talk to some people about some things, but that was about it. I mean, those are the glory days of, I mean, this is way too old for probably some people listening, but the Jerky Boys, you know. The get Brett Weir, I said, like that whole, that whole. Should topic. I bring my pants? Yeah, so, so I have, I have them. <laughs> Sue me. Sue everybody. Like it was. <laughs> I listened yeah, to even like they thing. did prank anchors when they did yeah. prank anchors on Comedy Central. It was great. It, and yeah, then it, Star it, 69 ruined everything, yeah. you know? But then didn't Star 67 come in so you could block your number from being Star 69? But then I don't, I, I don't know. Then caller ID came out and it's all been ruined. Ever I since. was not aware of the Star 67 technology. There was <laughs> I never knew Star about that. I could be wrong, but I know Star 69. I, I was I was wrong in our pre-show meeting talking about it, but there was something with Star 67 back in the day too. I mean, it was like you know, combating it. 
people don't talk enough too about, and we mentioned talked about this offline a little bit, just the genius of you could have done star any two numbers, right? Like <laughs> what's it that just said, Yeah, we're gonna make it star sixty-nine. Whoever did that is a genius and doesn't get juvenile. Nearly, yeah, it doesn't get nearly <laughs> enough credit. <laughs> That's funny. Imagine, I'm sure the car warranty salesman wished that we lived in the day where we didn't know it was them that was calling us. <laughs> but alas, here we are. So anyway, speaking of Tennessee fans, I got another great post from a, a Tennessee fan. Um, and this was actually before the Georgia game. This Tennessee fan was talking a little bit about recruits and how successful he thinks they're becoming um, in their recruiting strategy. And he actually has a unique way to kind of look at uh, recruiting strategy and how to tell uh, if someone is going to be a good recruit or not. And I'm not going to read it all, but he, he's kind of ripping off a theory from Colin Cowherd, he said, that he heard. And he said that that got me to thinking about how much confidence this team always seems to play with and how good looking, not in a weird way, our star players are. If you look at Hooker or Tillman, each one has that terrific smile and would make them super attractive to the ladies. Even if you look at our backup quarterback, Milton, he has an amazing body. Does anyone have a picture that was posted last year on VN of him practicing without his shirt on? His chest and abs are ridiculously defined, almost like a sculpture. Even our best defensive players like Banks are objectively really attractive guys. And then he goes on to say, obviously we wouldn't just go out and try to recruit a bunch of Zac Efron's, but it's cool to see how it all works out with a confident team. I think his theory is that the better looking one is, the more confidence they have. But he went into some um, interesting detail there. I mean, he was asking for pick swaps, it almost sounded like at one point, which is, I don't think I've seen we've never seen pick swap guy on the message boards before. I don't think. Yeah, no, that's but, a new one. I mean, recruiting straight Instagram models certainly would be an interesting way to do things. Can you imagine a college coach just searching Instagram for guys with shirtless pics? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a little Zac Efron thing going on. <laughs> but here's what I think destroys that entire theory. And that is, did you guys see the new Top Gun movie? Yes. Casey, you did not see it. I did not. Who do you remember? Do you remember the football scene from that movie? It was. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, now that was a lot of. I think this guy would think that that was a lot of good-looking men with uh, with attractive bodies playing football. And I'm not quite sure how to put this nicely, but I don't think that they would have really made good recruits. It. I would put the <laughs> skill level at maybe one step above Team Wolf. In the Michael J. Fox basketball scenes. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down now. I guess. I mean, they were like throwing the ball like it was a shot put. Yes. And it was a crazy-ass game, right? Because they're trying to score on both end zones at the same time. That was the other part. that They didn't even know the rules of football, apparently. So, yeah. I mean, just, just a bunch of meatheads running around. I, I, I think if you went by this guy's recruiting philosophy, that's kind of what you're going to end up with. All glamour muscles. So I actually uh, did a little dive on the Colin Coward theory. I'm going to read you just a partial quote. It was from a radio show we did. He said, there's a real thing called quarterback face. Often the best quarterbacks in the league have been really handsome. On the playground at recess in seventh grade, who gets the ball? The popular boy who the girls think is really cute and the guys think is cool. It's called quarterback face. So he, had, he named three guys who had quarterback face as evidence that they make the best quarterbacks. First one was Tom Brady. Any guesses who the other two were? Quarterback face. Aaron Rodgers? You, uh, no, I'll give you a hint. This is where his theory falls apart. Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson? My all, my fave, as you guys know, Russell Wilson was one of them. Who's the prettiest quarterback in the NFL? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. So his, his, his examples were, well, Tom Brady, of course, but also Jimmy G and Russell Wilson. So not sure how much theory Collins uh, or how much water Collins theory really holds when you drill down on it. Well, especially considering that John Elway is the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think that that, uh, that holds up either. MBG, <laughs> you, you know my feelings about Elway and we're going to have to fight. 
So we know, we know MB, MBG's uh, his loyalty, his allegiance is obviously to the Broncos there. But I can tell you that that the seventh grade thing that you were talking about was absolutely true in my hometown. That the prettiest, the prettiest boy in in my town was the quarterback. But then I went to a different high school, and the dumbest, biggest, meatiest head was the who was not a good looking kid at all was the quarterback in my high school. So. Well, and Casey's burying the lead there that Casey was a seventh grade quarterback. That's the part that he's leaving <laughs> out of his. <laughs> no. <laughs> but thanks. You do have quarterback face, Casey. Uh, you, hey. you have quarterback voice, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kind of on that same, along those same lines, talking about recruits, there was a post today on the Texas board, Inside Texas. That's an on three board. And do you guys have a group of people that you talk college football with, talk recruiting or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this Texas poster also does. He has a network of friends, I suppose, where he goes and he gets, he talks recruiting, gets some recruiting intel. And his name is Kellen Moe um, here on the Texas board. He says this, he said, my wife and I met one of our current commits parents at a swingers get together this weekend. <laughs> that Their son told them that some of the recruits are worried that not only is Toviano, which is a, a, te- a Texas recruit, uh, <laughs> spying for LSU, but that the Hill decommitment, Hill is a kid that decommitted from Texas A&M, that the Hill decommitment is an elaborate <laughs> scheme for Hill to get in with Texas recruits and start pushing them to A&M. The player says their recruiting has been so bad they are desperate. Level two, so take it for what it's worth. The fact that that swingers get to Kelly this weekend was almost just a throwaway line. You know, it was just like, yeah, it's just in there. It was, you know, especially the way maybe you read it too, MBT. It was just like, oh, like this is what we do on Tuesdays, you know? You guys well, watch the office at all? No, of course. Uh, so this, to paraphrase Michael Scott, this reminded me of uh, Swingers is the new Chili's. Swingers clubs are the new Chili's. It's where business gets done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, everybody has their group of friends that they talk to about college football and recruiting this guy's friends just happen to be uh, at a swingers uh, event um, that he goes to and apparently it's a texas recruits parents also frequent that same swingers. <laughs> <laughs> i kind of appreciate the nonchalance though about just because i mean he could have said anywhere right like mm-hmm. you don't have to sh- you don't have to share that detail it's not really yeah. integral to the story but met him at a party yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really not hard, right? <laughs> yeah, or I even leave the whole first sentence off altogether and just really get to the meat, <laughs> which is equally as nuts. But you can, after the first line, the rest of the post kind of seems to sound a little bit uh, not so bad. Um, MBG, also, you know where else you get right to the meat? At the swingers club. <laughs> so I'm told. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious! I, I love message boards. So I, I just want to ask you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a sliding scale again on a scale of one, not believable at all, to ten. You guys totally buy into this post. How real do you think this post is? I'm going 17 again because, because I want this to be real. <laughs> so I'm, considering, I'm, fully, I'm fully bought in. Considering I have no idea what the post said after that they met at a swingers club, I'm going <laughs> to say 10. <laughs> I mean, this is Texas where the assistant coach has is married to a stripper with a monkey. So, I mean... <laughs> this isn't even that weird, right? I mean... <laughs> I mean, so that that maybe makes you sway towards uh, believability, but I'm going to say a three. I don't. I'm not buying that this really happened. At least not the first sentence. <laughs> That's the only part I believe. <laughs> <laughs> 
but regardless of if it happened or not, it's it's a hilarious post. Yeah, that was a good one. And I, and I loved it. Well done. Well done. All right. So I believe that brings us to our weekly dose of joy with our friend, Joy Daly. How are we doing tonight, Joy? I'm assuming pretty well. Yeah, I'm thriving. <laughs> <laughs> I am thriving. I don't, I'm... Maybe not as much as that couple at that party, but I'm up there. <laughs> I don't know. I'd say beating Alabama's uh, that's, that's got to be up there, pretty close. Yeah, I, for some reason, I think that like we don't need Tobiano to spy on anyone. I think we're gonna do just fine in recruiting. I'm not. I'm not super super worried about that. Well, that's the thing with Brian Kelly. He's always been all right in recruiting. It's just been the bigger games, but obviously maybe he's kicking that off too by beating Alabama. That's a big game. It's a huge game. I I think he's always been a good recruiter, but I can imagine there is a little bit of a discrepancy trying to recruit to Notre Dame and South Bend, Indiana versus recruiting to LSU and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I think it's probably a little bit, he's got a little bit more access to a larger talent pool. Well, last week, if you remember, we had that post from an LSU poster who was saying that, Kelly is a better coach than Saban and that he was going to get to an SEC championship game before Saban. He's on his way. Not so crazy anymore. No, not that part of the post, right? (laughs) Wow. I didn't even think about that. And I said he was out of his mind, I think. (laughs) (laughs) We were. I also said, I also said Bama wins by two touchdowns. So. Hey, you're hedging your bets there. Look, I was I would rather have set myself up for that and then experience the joy that I did than to ex- have set myself up and us have, have lost. But you know who just keeps losing? <laughs> <laughs> you sound so excited <laughs> to talk about this. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you all can't imagine who I'm about to talk about because my <laughs> hatred just hasn't quite shown through enough. So I just needed to pick another post for me to continue to talk about how much I dislike Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> so on text ags this week, someone said um, his name is literally just TMF. And he said, I'm afraid Jimbo is trying to get fired. Take all that money and then use some to take Connor Wigman and a few others with him to West Virginia. Of all places. <laughs> of all places. Um, here's, here's just a couple of things. I don't know. After this year, who says Connor Wegman even wants to go with Jimbo anywhere? I don't know if there's enough money to buy Connor Wegman. And oh, never, the, not just to buy him, but to buy him and then say, do you want to move to West Virginia? Well, especially with better Aggies programs that he can choose from right now. I mean, it, why does he have to go to West Virginia? Right? I would tell him to go to Utah State first. <laughs> yeah. That'd They're going to be in the need for a quarterback, right, MBG? Oh, always. <laughs> you, well, maybe you can host them uh, at Utah State, MBG, like you did Josh Heupel back in the day. Yeah, we, you want to go hang out on the floor and talk to some dudes for a while? <laughs> I know just the place. Chatting. Okay, but Joy, maybe you can answer this. What's the tie with Jimbo Fisher and West Virginia? Because there's that. this isn't the only post. that He's from there. I didn't know that. He's from West Virginia. Well, he now they all. There, though, he never coached there, no. But a lot of people have. I, I see at the beginning of the meltdown of, of this year, of the dumpster fire, I said that I thought that Texas AM's only hope was that West Virginia was probably going to fire their coach and that they would hire Jimbo because Jimbo's always said that that's like the one job he wants that he's never had. I'm not even convinced at this point West Virginia would hire him. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think they will. I think they would. And there, there's there's rumors that Neil Brown is in, in struggles there. So, I mean, but, I've heard the same struggles. I just, <laughs> he's not even putting up a fight. Yeah. It seems like there are a few obstacles to him leaving A&M, like around 85 million of them, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Like, well, if I'm they were really to fire sure. him, but not if he were to get another job. Right, right. But I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not walking away from that money if I'm him, right? Well, let me pitch this to you guys. <laughs> they are a cult. I mean. 
So let me pitch this because I've got two different ideas from Texas A&M fans of how to get rid of Jimbo. So the first one seems like the more plausible of the two. And that is that they should just tell him like they told my high school coach my junior year, you can quit or get paid to wash buses. He quit, by the way. (laughs) So he says. So one is, well, just tell him then he's going to wash buses and not coach. And then he'll quit. The other one, the least plausible of the two is that they just offer him 25 to 30 million and he'll take it and leave um, as opposed to his 85 million. So just negotiate his buyout down and he'll just agree to take 25 million instead of 85 million. So those are two thoughts that Texas A&M fans have uh, to get rid of. I know if it was me, I would, but it's not me. (laughs) These guys, these guys make a little bit more money than I do. so. So would you wash buses for your 85 million or just leave for 25 million and move to West Virginia? Are there any job openings in the cafeteria or no? Yeah, weren't we talking about him slinging pinto beans just a couple weeks ago? <laughs> I mean, are we already back on this? Now? Well, I think we were confused at what he would do. Washing buses seems like, yeah, I can see, like, tell the bus driver, hey, take that down to Jimbo and have him wash it. <laughs> have him detail it. <laughs> that sounds right. Down yonder. I mean, the, the negotiating down to $25 million, that just it, it might be a little oversimplified, right? Like you, you've got to provide him some, some kind of motivation. I His would think. Would I mean, never let that happen. Yeah, I mean that's just that's a lot of money. One thing I've discovered is that I don't know that Texas A&M fans understand how a contract works. <laughs> it's shocking to me. Well, they don't. It's a cult. So, like, once you're in, you're in for life. The fact that they want someone out of the cult, there, it's. It's a whole different ballgame for them. They've never played in this arena. So they think they could just tell him to leave and he's just, just going to leave or that they're that it's just bad enough there that he's – I think they whoop. think that they're going to treat him like they treated Kevin Sumlin. So they're not worried about him going off and writing a book about the cult and then getting followed by all the president and all the parents of players and things, and like the Scientologists or stuff? Yeah. <laughs> You think A&M fans, just to do another call back to the office, think you can declare bankruptcy by just walking out and declaring <laughs> bankruptcy? <laughs> they, they seem to oversimplify some of the legal ramifications going on here. I don't know what their options are at this point. I mean, it's not – there. there is no light at the end of this tunnel for this A&M team. No, I mean, and there's, no light, in, like there's no light in recruiting. You don't yeah. have – you're losing commitments left and right. The day the transfer portal opens, I don't even want to see how many kids leave their program. I mean, I just don't know. Do, do you just do you just somehow buckle down and pay him pay him his buyout and let him leave? What what are they doing? MBG, what are they going to do? Well, I mean, eighty five million is a lot. I mean, I think you stick to the plan of having Anthony Hill decommit, take a visit to Texas, <laughs> steal all of Texas's recruits, <laughs> and bring them back. And I think uh, of all the options that we've <laughs> talked about so far, to me, that one appears to be the most realistic. It like, absolutely if, is. If you've got to pick door one, two, or three, I mean, that's definitely the door that you pick and, you know, put all your marbles in the Anthony Hill basket and hope you can persuade those Texas boys to come down and um, <laughs> play at Texas A&M, I guess. I mean, you solved all their problems, MBG. So you know me with the math. I'm I'm, I'm the quick quick uh, fingers with the calculator. He's 13 years of being a head coach. He's won 120 games. But if we're even comparing him to Saban, which you can't. Saban what lost 10 uh, 12 games over the last 10 years. He's lost 43 games in 13 years. So he's 120 and 43, which isn't terrible. It's just not good. And this has got to be the most holds. losses he's had, right? And, and is it the most he's ever had as a head coach? I don't know. It's got to be up there. And he now has a way worse record than someone did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was a joke. And I've said it week, week by week here. Eight and four was the joke. Right. They're, <laughs> they're three and six. Eight and four they'd be thrilled with right now. They were all so pissed before the season when people were making eight and four jokes. What I want to know is that if, if Jimbo takes the – 
okay, I'm going to wash buses instead of coach option. Like the Texas A&M fans are going to be lined up critiquing how poorly he's washing the buses and like posting about it. Or is this just a much more stress-free life for Jimbo to sit around, wash a few buses, collect your paycheck and just go home five o'clock, wake up the next morning and do it again. I don't know. Have you ever been in the carpool line and you see the buses come by and there's a dirty one? You see all these little kids getting on the buses and you're like, man, I wish that bus was cleaner. I'm sure (laughs) Texas A&M fans are probably lining up to make sure that their kids are getting on the right bus. It's probably the same parents that are at that swingers club. They in Texas, they're probably A and M fans. Swingers as well. love clean buses. So that's one hundred percent true. Everything needs to be clean in that swinger world, from what I'm told. Uh, you still have to pay him, even if he's washing buses. So you're just gonna pay two people. Well, I hope they've learned their lesson. I ho- I really hope they've learned their oh, lesson. Boy, no you chance. are missing the point of this podcast. I hope they have not learned anything. <laughs> well. <laughs> But but here's the thing. The I, hope, no, I really hope that they. I really hope they haven't. Like let Jimbo wash some buses and pay someone else a stupid amount of money, and y'all go three and six. As an LSU fan, as someone in the SEC, please, please keep screwing it up. I'm here for it. I will take <laughs> it the down on the schedule. Right? In, the, yeah. in the SEC West. In all seriousness, though, they've already set their market with Jimbo, right? If you fire Jimbo. If you're the next guy to come in after Jimbo, are you going to take less money than what they were paying Jimbo? Well, especially not if you have to clean up his mess, right? I mean, yeah, that's because it's not going to be pretty at the end of the year, end of the season, regardless. So, yeah. if I'm Lane Kiffin or whoever, just throwing a name out there, <laughs> and they just got done paying Completely Jimbo random. ten the years, the message boards are about to go crazy. <laughs> but they just paid Jimbo ten years. Hundred million dollars. If I'm Lane Kiffin, that's my starting point is negotiations. Yeah. Or I guess that's uh, that's where I expect their starting point to be in negotiations is uh, something above what you just paid Jimbo because I'm obviously better than Jimbo because you're hiring me to replace him. <laughs> so they're in a world of hurt, I would say down there. So uh, I think they're gonna have to tough it out. Good. <laughs> so we're gonna to wrap this one up good (laughs) lots of jimbo posts for the next few years yep that'll do it for this week's episode of the mbg podcast don't forget to subscribe leave us a review and we'll see you next time losers